What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now that you are officially in the wild card, do you consider the regular season a success? Sure. I mean, to get a chance? You know, there's 20, there's 20 clubs that would trade places with us, you know. So I, I think there's some – it's kind of – it's good in one way to kind of have some – finally, there's so many things floating around. This could happen, that could happen. To have some – you know, we still don't know exactly who we're playing unless y'all can tell me. Maybe you know something I don't know. Pardon? Philly's lost Padres are winning right now. So. But, uh, yeah, I was curious. I was, I was looking at the lineups that they uh, had today. That was interesting. But I, uh, um, you know, it's kind of good in a way to know, okay, we're playing this day and we're playing, you know, hopefully tomorrow we'll know which team. Well, we better know tomorrow. Otherwise, we got a scoop, right? <laughs> you know, but he, I, my daughter called me on the way home late last night, and she said, Dad, at any point today, did you, like, kind of, you know, would you kind of like to know, get everything kind of settled? Long pause. No. She goes, I didn't think so. <laughs> she was good. She's been thinking about it. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Wednesday, October the 5th, 2022. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can show it up on podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network as well as risingapple.com. Welcome to the final 
edition of the Talking Mets podcast for the 2022 regular season. And guess what? Unlike today is closing day, and I I said it on the on Twitter when I saw there was a rain delay. I'm like, oh, are they really going to play this game? I get it. I heard Howie Rose on the broadcast the other night complaining about, you know, you have the Blue Jays and the Orioles had to play a doubleheader today. It's all about the money. Howie, I think Steve Cohen said this uh, when he first took over an interview. When they say it's not about the money, it's always about the money, right? That's what it is in business. We all know that. But they got to play the games. But closing day is always, to me, in baseball, this weird day. It's like the last day of school. Back in, not so much college. College is different because you take your finals and you're out. But in high school, really, you'd have that last day after finals. You'd go in and, and maybe have to, for some reason, because the New York, I, I live in New York State, so it was New York State laws. You had to have a certain amount of days. And you go in, you have this day where you probably leave by like 11 o'clock. Nothing gets done. You clear out your locker. And it was always a weird feeling because it was a sense of finality. You were happy. You were ready to get the heck out of there which I'm sure the Washington Nationals are ready to get the heck out of there. And, you know, it was this, you've been together so long, day in and day out, you shared these experiences, and now, poof, it's over. And we talked about that, how in just a few days, that could be the Mets' season. And the fortunate thing is closing day, unlike all the other times since the Talking Mets podcast, other than its first season, 2016, when it came into existence, uh, the closing day has been pretty much getting ready to gear up for an offseason. And for the last four years, it's been talk about ownership changes and GMs and new managers and sign stealing and all the other garbage that has happened and stuff that's really not baseball related. And for the first time, closing day today just meant tuning up for the postseason. Jeff McNeil wins a batting title. Terrence Gore gets a hit. Trevor Williams might have just cashed in on a nice contract to go somewhere and be a starting pitcher. He made him, made himself some money today. Good for him. And in general, you had a chance to just take a step back. And after the show we did the other day, and tonight's show is going to be, it's called Let's, Let's, Let's Have Some Fun. That's what I want to call it. You know why I want to call it Let's Have Some Fun? Because it's okay to be happy. It's okay to look back and say, The team that I root for, if you're a Mets fan listening to this right now, the team that I root for, you might have been rooting for them for the last five years. Maybe you've been with them since 1962. Maybe you're like me and you started rooting for them in the 80s and have had a chance to be a fan, cover them, kind of be this bridge that I talk to myself about. So there's all sorts of people right now, myself, all of you joining me right now. And it's okay to be happy and reflect on a 101 win season, which Let's face it, the last time the Mets won 100 games was 1988. I was in sixth grade. Uh, No, sorry. Yeah, I was in sixth grade. Think about that. Talking Mets was in sixth grade the last time they won 100 games. Now, some of you might feel old. Maybe I'm old. Because you're probably in the audience are saying, well, 1988, I wasn't born yet. Or 1988, I was in my mom's womb, you know? That kind of thing. It is hard. And some of that is an indictment on the franchise and its inability to get out of its own way, build a sustainable winner, all the other things that we've talked ad nauseum about. But think about the 1987 Mets, a team that went into the season post-86, post-World Series championship, 
had a lot of injuries in the pitching, but that was a team that if you read, you go back and read some Sports Illustrated prognostications from spring training 1987, nobody thought the Mets could be beat. And that team, what, 92 wins? Nine games behind in the standings of the franchise hierarchy, this ball club. So it's okay to be happy. That's what, you know, let's have some fun. It's okay to be happy. Um, putting a cap on on the season. Time to have some fun. I don't know. You know, when I when I name the show, see, I do the show, and I kind of know what I'm going to name it. Now I'm kind of thinking it twice, and I'm going to confuse you. You know, time to have some fun. That's what it's called. Not let's have some fun. Time to have some fun. But we are going to have fun on this show because we're going to talk about, reflect a little bit because I think it's important on 2022. I know already Buck has got questions. He's been getting questions about the postseason roster. Alvarez's name has come up. And you're not going to know everything until Friday. There's juggling of the rotation. So I've, I've read all the, the prognosticators so far. I have thoughts about what I would do. Predictions? No. We don't do predictions yet. We didn't do predictions in, in the spring. By the way, how many of you had 101 or 100 in the over in spring training for the Mets? Or how many of you in spring training at the end said, if I told you, would you sign up for 101 wins? Would you have? Because everybody says now that's bad. But we don't do predictions here. We'll talk about the series and kind of how the Mets will have to beat the Padres. What will it take and things to look out for. So that's how we're going to do that. And on the way out, I have to throw a couple of two cents about Aaron Judge and the home run record. Because it's getting overshadowed by the baseball postseason, thank God. But as I predicted, the media narrative, as it always is when it comes to the Yankees and it comes to uh, sanctimony, is one that is just going to drive me absolutely bananas. So... We got a lot to get into. We're going to have some fun. We know what we don't know what the show will be called. We're going to have some fun. So, you know, closing day, we talked about that, that weird feeling. Uh, and I, as I said, and by the way, it was nice, non sequitur, nice to hear Keith Hernandez from his bedside on the broadcast today. How the heck did you rip the ligaments from your shoulder protecting your phone falling? Good Lord. Keith, come on, come back to me. But. Baseball is, and it's it's different than the NFL, which is weekly, and even different than another love of mine, the NBA, which is not even nightly. Baseball from April to, if you don't make the playoffs, till late September, early October, is in your house, on your radio, all-consuming part of your day for at least three and a half hours, maybe next year a little less with the pitch clock. Uh, the booth, Gary, Keith, and Ron for Mets fans, is almost like an extension of your living room. You feel like you're sitting and chatting on the porch with these individuals or Howie Rose and Wayne Randazzo if you're in the car or listening on your app out there gardening or doing yard work or whatever it is. And then we consume ourselves with all the media, the podcasts like this, the radio, you know, pre and post game, the Twitter feed, the lineups, the trades, the discussion. And you spend so much time together. And yeah, the hot stove has made baseball 24-7, 365. But it then it goes away and it's almost like you have it or you're starving for it or you're searching for it. And then there's times where there's a lot of news and there's times where it's as cold and icy as the snow that's slushy and dirty outside in January. You know, so it is this weird game that almost gets pulled from you when there's a little chill on the pumpkin. And I thought it was important because this could get pulled from us very quickly within a couple of days. The Mets are only guaranteed two more ball games. Now, I think they're going to have more ball games, and I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. But we're only guaranteed two more ball games here. 
And I think it's appropriate to look at this season because I can't tell you in context, is this the most fun Mets season that I've seen? Well, I've always had an affinity for 1999 and the 2000 club. 2006, I call it the summer of love over there. This was kind of a different season, and I'll tell you why. First, I'll tell you when I first knew that this was a good Mets team, that things were going to be different. It was back when, and you guys go back to the videotape, it was probably somewhere on May 7th, May 8th, May 9th, May 10th. We're looking about five or potentially six weeks of the season, and I had the car accident. Remember? I was driving on the LAE. Some jerk rear-ended me, and fortunately, nobody got hurt. My, my, my rear hatch was dented in. You know, my bumper was dented in. I pull over. He takes off and says some four-letter word, basically, you know, pound sand, Mike Silva. And I didn't get a license plate. And, you know, away you go. And so it's a bad day. Mets are playing the Phillies, getting blown out. I think they were down 7-1. I decided to bounce out of the game because I had to file an insurance claim with Geico, worried about my car, getting my car to the, the, the collision place in the morning, ticked off about how much this is going to cost me, hit and run. I've never really had that. Oh, my God. And finally, when everything settled down and I did all this, you know, photos and everything for Geico, I take a shower, I get in bed, and I decided, ah, let me see how things turned out. I figured, you know, they, and, you know, I wanted to see how the final score was. I was expecting a loss, and I see 8-7 Mets win, and Diaz just got the save in Philadelphia against, you know, some tough parts of the Phillies order. And I'm like, wow, in Citizens Bank Park? There wasn't some uh, uh, Gene Segura home run off of Diaz. You know, there wasn't some heartbreak with JT Real Muto. I mean, Citizens Bank Park is just a tough place to play, no matter how good or bad the Phillies are. And I knew at that point that this was a really special team and a good team. Now, there was the toughness that we saw very early on as they came together over those hit-by-pitches almost immediately. Uh, The first or second game of the season, I mean, that same... Uh, hit-by-pitch situation may knock one of their best players out for the entire postseason. I'm not sure Starling Marte, we're going to see him, but we'll we'll find out. There was the coffee clutch with the pitchers and Bassett and the intensity. I don't care whose name is on the back of the jersey. I'm coming for you. There was the no-hitter, the Diaz breakthroughs. You know, we all held our breath early in the year when Diaz came in because you always felt Diaz could hang one, and he did early in the year. I think he did one in Arizona. It was the Varsho. Uh, and um, by the end of the year, it was almost automatic. I mean, we I don't want to use the name Mariano in D, with Diaz because that's sacrilegious in baseball lore until someone really shows that they're Mariano. But he's as close to what we've seen this season to what Mariano was. Mets didn't blow a game that they led in the ninth inning all year. I don't know if they've ever done that before. Even in 86, that's maybe somebody could look that up. You know, you had the game when right after Scherzer got hurt against the Cardinals and they get down in extra innings. Diaz blows a save that day, one of the few saves he blew. And then Pete, bam, first pitch, home run. And he, I know that the controversy with me was that I, I criticized the three-point shot throwing the hat. Uh, the West Coast trip, our friend Subway Deshae, Anthony Rivera, and I did the show right after that wild L- win in L.A. and extra innings when Medina gets the save. That one of the... One of the another example of how crazy and how we knew it was a special season, and there were other unsung heroes, and that's what makes a special season. The Nick Plumbers and the tying home run against the Phillies. I mentioned Medina, Yoan Lopez, and and how he got that crazy save against the Cubs, and how he mixed it up 
when they were going up against the Cardinals with a hit-by-pitch. Patrick Mazika with a home run against the Mariners. Hey, you can't forget about Nate Fisher and the three innings in Philadelphia, and he never pitched again all year. And he may never get another big league uh, sniff, but he helped win a ball game for a team that won 101 games. And hopefully he gets a little piece of a playoff share if there's anything to be had. Tyler McGill pitching like Jacob DeGrom the first month after we found out that DeGrom was going to be out for, I said, longer than what it was originally prognosticated for. And he helped bridge the gap as you waited for DeGrom to come back right after the deadline. Uh, The evolution of the core. I mean, things that we saw in 2019 that got truncated in 2020 and never really came together in 2021 which is the McNeil and Pete Alonzo tandem that carried them offensively at times in 20, uh, 2019. Lindor joining that core. Nimmo, finally, I don't have to go and talk about his run creation on Talking Mets and show you, hey, don't look past some of the things you see on the numbers because when he came back in September, he was an elite run creator. I don't have to parse him out anymore. You saw it day in and day out. You don't have to justify Nimmo anymore. By, you know, breaking through the numbers. You see it with your eyes as well. What I've been talking about for years, while everyone else was calling him a fourth outfielder, you see it with your eyes. So, you know, all these things together all make this a special season. A season that no matter what happens, whether it ends in bitter disappointment with two uh, two losses against San Diego or a World's Championship, we're always going to have a special place in it. Hopefully in our hearts for the season. What's different about this season versus 99, which was completely heartbreaking at the end, and that team is always such a special team in my heart, and 2006, which very heartbreaking at the end, more so, I think, than the uh, 99 team, but has a very special place in my heart, despite what happened in the final following two years. I felt this season, unlike those seasons, there was a guilt that they the Mets fan had that this team wasn't supposed to be this good. Even though Max Scherzer was signed and you had Max Scherzer under Grom at the top of the rotation, they have a grinded-out offense, maybe not a bully offense, but a grinded-out offense, an elite closer, a bullpen that has been criticized but really did the job for most of the season. Maybe at times they had some depth issues as you got past the, the core three or four guys, but they made things happen. They didn't really blow leads. And I felt like everybody was finding a reason to criticize them because you know why? They had a team in the division that played historically good. When there was a 10-game lead, it got erased almost immediately with a historic 14-game winning streak by that team. And for the Mets to win the division, they had to win more than 101 games, which is really, really hard to do. And by the way, There's only one team that won more games than them. It's not even the Braves. It's the Los Angeles Dodgers. Basically, you had the Mets had to be 86 Mets in order to outbeat the Braves. And they were just very, very good. But elite. You know, they were elite, but they were just very good elite, not historically elite like the Braves were in the second half. And you know what? This has been a long time coming. I told you guys in 2019, if you've been listening to the show, second half, and everyone said, oh, the Mets played so many bad teams in the second half. They were on like an 86 Mets tear in the second half of 2019. And then 2020, they had the injuries to the pitching and the the COVID. And last year was just, it was weird. The Grom's injury, I think, took a lot of steam out of that team. And 
for a variety of reasons, uh, you know, mainly transitions with Lindor and maybe some of the uh, philosophies of the prior regime when it came to hitting and hitting style, things didn't happen. This has been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming, and now you finally see it. So it's okay for you, and I'm giving you permission. And if anybody gets on your case, say, Mike Silva gave me permission. Maybe I should get you buttons or stickers or badges or something to wear. Mike Silva gave me permission to take a step back for the next 24 to 48 hours, sip some champagne if you want, have a beer, just don't drink and drive. You don't want to drink and drive? Go to your favorite coffee shop. Get yourself a nice egg sandwich if you're into that, a little omelet. You don't want to go for breakfast because it's too early. Go to lunch. You know, maybe get a panini. There's great Greek diners over by me out here in the Smithtown area. It has these great Greek paninis. If you're in the Smithtown, Lake Grove area, go to uh, Smithtown, go to the Millennium Diner. I'm not getting paid. There's no payola there. They have great Greek paninis. Great Greek paninis. Just watch your waistline if you have to. The fries could be a little fattening. And celebrate. And, you know, take a deep breath because get ready because at 8.07 p.m. on Friday, the fun begins. That's when the fun begins. And it's going to be stressful and it's going to be frustrating and it could be heartbreaking, but it could be incredibly satisfying. And the history books, which have been written over the last six months, will continue to be written There are things that have happened this season and that will potentially happen in the playoffs that we'll talk about for years to come. I mean, we still talk about the Kenny Rogers bases loaded walk or like today I was looking at a replay of the Jay Payton base hit in game two in San Francisco and the strikeout of Barry Bonds. One of the the better playoff games that I've watched in my lifetime. And who can forget the wild card, Todd Pratt, walk-off home run against Buck Showalter's Arizona Diamondbacks, who were expansion team three years earlier, and that team won 100 games. So there's a lot of things that are to come, and I'm giving you permission to be happy. You could be disappointed that and frustrated that one skinny game, a tiebreaker essentially, is the reason why the Mets aren't taking time off. But by the way, you heard Ron Darling on the broadcast tonight? Dusty Baker's concerned about the time off, and that is something that would be a peripheral challenge if the Mets were in that position. Now, would you rather take five days off, let these guys beat each other up, and then maybe sit back and uh, face the Cardinals or the Phillies? Probably the Cardinals. The Cardinals are no slouch. The Padres are no slouch. You'll hear about them in a little bit. There's no easy road to a championship. There's no backing into a championship. It doesn't happen. You might get a favorable seating. And I, by the way, I don't understand. I, I, and somebody made this point on Twitter, and then a buddy of mine, um, you know, reiterated it. Uh, the, the seating is odd. And uh, it's almost like the Dodgers, who have the best record, are going to. Should they really play the Mets when, in theory, if the Phillies win and beat the Cardinals, the Braves will get the worst teams? Statistically, I mean, originally I wanted it to be like a wild card week. They would think about time off. We have like this four team round robin. And, you know, I was trying to figure out a way where for over seven days you can maybe win the best two out of three and then those two teams or, or have a play in. Each team plays each other once and then they, you know, maybe not do a best of three like 
four teams, one and four, two and three. One and four plays a playing game, and then whoever's left plays a play, and then you get to the division series. Like that might be interesting instead of the best of three, and then basically a wild card team is seated at the bottom seed, and and the division you know kind of means something, which it does now, but it might even mean more because I still feel like there could be an advantage to go in and continue to play. I mean, for the Mets, not having Marte or not having Marte have more time to heal, and then you're rolling the dice on some of the decisions they have to make with DeGrom and Scherzer, which we haven't even thought about when we talked about the pitching rotation. I was looking at it more traditionally. So um, quite a bit at play here and what have you. So anyway, it's going to be a fun show. We're just getting started, man. Don't go anywhere. I'm not going to give you those cheesies, don't you leave that dial you won't know what happens next. I hate when they do that. Like It's like when I hear Steve Phillips do it on MLB Network Radio. Like, you wait till you hear what the Mets did last night. Well, Steve, I could go to my MLB app and read it. I just want to hear your take on it. Um, so there's a lot of stuff to, to get into and to talk about and what have you. When we come back, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to get into the postseason roster first. We'll get into the series. I want to get into the roster, give you my take about where I would go, and we'll also get a feel of what we're reading. There's a lot of talk about pitching rotations, lineups, things like that. Will Alvarez be on the roster? Will Marte play? That and more right after this. Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big-time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey, Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, the scoreboard here at City Field paying tribute to Jeff McNeil. Highest batting average in the major leagues this year. I like the Mets in gold there. That's really a nice yeah. touch. Fans wanting a curtain call. And here comes Jeff. Nice. Well, he is. He's the gold standard this season. It's an amazing accomplishment for a guy who is probably built to win a batting title better than any hitter in the game. And he proved it this year. A great stretch drive. To overcome Goldschmidt and Freeman and win it going away. All right, we're back. I uh, wanted to really, before I get into the postseason roster, I really should have made a bigger deal about it, but what an evolution by Jeff McNeil. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that you guys were driving me crazy, some of you. Trade Jeff McNeil for a, um, you know, a lefty reliever. I think it was, uh, uh, you know, last year where, you know, everybody was like, the Mets have no talent. And I was like, you know, I, I can't imagine Jeff McNeil forgot how to hit. And I always was amazed by 2019 because he was, he was basically Pete Rose the first half of that season with, and the version you saw this past season was the first half version of, Mc, of McNeil in 2019. And then he evolved in the second half to be more like Daniel Murphy. I mean, in the overall, when you looked at the statistics, he was pretty much the same output. It just looked different. And then the pandemic season, he hit pretty much the same way. Can't really judge power in a 60-game season, but he seemed to be the Jeff McNeil that we all knew and loved. And then he never got off the schneid in 2021. And then you had the Rat Raccoon. Not only is he versatile, which is a huge asset on any team, uh, he plays and and we'll see, is it the, the positioning and the shift that makes him look good? I think he's a pretty good uh, second baseman. He's a very good outfielder, and he can play both corners. That's a valuable player. He's a really good player. He's won a batting title. He hit uh, almost 380 in the second half of this year. Only John Olderud had a better second half in, in Mets history. And I remember that 98 John Olderud. I mean, he was on fire. I mean, he a Mets team that didn't have the greatest offense, he and Piazza and Alfonso that year, really were the threesome that carried that team um, that struggled a little bit to score at times because they didn't have a length in that lineup. So uh, congratulations, Jeff McNeil. I heard from a friend of mine that there was some criticism from the Dodgers booth about him not playing. Guys, you know why I don't want Jeff McNeil to play, not to play today, and as well as Pete Alonso or anybody of substance on the Mets? I mean, you couldn't sit everybody because you don't have the 40-man roster, or I think Buck would have. I don't need one of these young pitchers in this damp, raw, cold day to not grip the baseball and break somebody's hand like they broke Marte's finger. I mean, that kind of thing. So we don't need more of that. And that's why McNeil was sitting. And I thought it was a nice moment when Lindor 
came off and McNeil came on. And uh, Gary Cohen said it with some symbolism with the whole issues last year when those two guys got into it in the dugout and we had that ridiculous show about Rat and Raccoon and, geez, I don't miss, guys, I don't miss some of the garbage that we've we've been through together over the last three or four years. And, and, there's, and here's the best part about 2022. I have to get to the postseason roster. This I didn't get myself into too much hot water this year. I didn't get myself canceled. Well, I almost did with the whole Pride Night. But I didn't, want, I didn't get myself canceled. Another year, you don't have to worry about me getting canceled. So there you go. All right, let's get to the, the point here. Uh, postseason roster. I um, have the roster in front of me. I even put it together. You'd be proud of me. Usually, this is not back of the napkin or back of the paper bag. This is a spreadsheet. I was able to export baseball reference the Mets roster. I was able to delete the guys I don't care about and highlight. I got little colors going. Keith Hernandez would be proud. Bum shoulder at all. Keith Hernandez would be proud of me right here. Okay. So, I think we kind of know most of the direction where this team is going to go. So, uh, right now, I'm going to tell you flat out, I don't think Marte plays these three games. It didn't sound good. Unless Buck is managing or dampening expectations, I don't think Marte is going to play. So I'm assuming Marte is out. If he's in, more power to, uh, to the Mets, and that's a huge lift. So Nito, Alonzo, McNeil, Lindor, Escobar, Canna, Nimmo is seven offensive players. Vogelback is eight. Guillaume is nine. McCann's the backup catcher is 10. Naquin is 11. Now, here's what gets interesting. Gore would be on my roster because of the weapon he is in a close game. You need Gore's pinch running abilities. I mean, he's one-dimensional, but in a, in a postseason series, it's an important dimension. Too bad the guy can't give you basic offensive skills. He'd be a really good b- bench player. Uh, Jankowski plus. Uh, but alas, that's not who he is. Now the real question is, do you go 13 and 13 with the pitchers? And who is number 13? Now, I don't believe Vientos is really a viable option. He didn't show me any reason to believe. If, you, if you're going to go Vientos, you might as well go Alvarez at that point. And I'm assuming the only reason this would even happen, and I'm going to make this prediction here, and you heard it here first, and I know have no inside information. If Darren Ruff's neck is healthy, Buck is going to talk with Billy Epler, and they are going to sit in Alvarez. If they only go with 13, and they go 13. I don't think that's the direction they'll go with the pitchers, but let's walk through this in a minute. Let's start with 13. Let's build the roster out together. Uh, I think they go Darren Ruff over, over certainly Vientos. I think Vientos is not even in the consideration. And I think they go with him over Alvarez because of the, the, the track record. Veterans with track records. Buck has gone on record and said it. And I think Billy Epler is going to give Buck, you know, he could override him and he's going to push back. And I think the team, the management team, is going to have spirited discussion. But if Buck wants to go with the resume and the experience of a Darren Ruff versus left handed pitching, considering that he could also technically play the outfield, although I wouldn't really want him in the outfield in a big postseason game, I think Darren Ruff is going to be on the roster. So that's 13, right? And now the pitchers, okay? So pitching-wise, you've got Seth Lugo, Scherzer, and uh, Trevor May. That's three pitchers. Drew Smith is four. Michael Givens is five. Chris Bassett is six. Diaz is seven. Uh, Trevor Williams is eight. Adovino is nine. DeGrom is ten. So the question is, does Carrasco and Walker both make it for long relief? I think they might take one or the other, so that's 11. 
And then Joely Rodriguez, you're going to need lefties with San Diego. I know that if you go up and down their lineup, the reason why you need the lefty is, is Juan Soto. But they also have uh, uh, they, they also have Jake Cronenworth as a lefty. So you're going to want a lefty to get him out. Uh, Trent Grissom, not a great hitter. He's lefty. Um, you have some lefties in there. And Josh Bell, historically, it's better as a left-handed batter than a right-handed batter, so you may want to turn around. Joely Rodriguez, Buck likes him. He's going to make the roster. I'm not sure both Peterson and Rodriguez make it because Seth Lugo, in high leverage, I think Seth Lugo gets the lefty because his stats have been good against lefty, and, and historically that's been a strength of his. So I think Joely Rodriguez makes it. I don't think that they go with 13 pitchers. I think they go with 12, which to me means Ruff can make it. Alvarez can make it. They could go 14 deep on that. So basically, at that point, um, you go Lugo. You want one of either Walker or Carrasco. Scherzer, May, Smith, Givens, Joely Rodriguez, Bassett, Edwin Diaz is 9, Trevor Williams is 10, Adovino is 11. You got 11, so you get one more. Now I'm getting confused. Let me do this all over. See, now, now you guys, this is where the spreadsheet comes into play. So one, one is Lugo, two is the Carrasco or Walker. Well, let's say Carrasco because Walker's going to start in the next series. Scherz is three, May is four, Smith is five, Givens is six, Joely Rodriguez is seven, Bassett is eight, Diaz is nine, Trevor Williams 10, Adovino 11, DeGrom 12. There you go. That's 12. And then 14. That's Terrence Gore and then Alvarez as well as rough, you know, Alvarez kind of playing into that. That's your roster. That's what I think your roster is. No David Peterson, no Tyler McGill, no Mark Vientos, and you wouldn't take both Walker and Carrasco. Now, as a starter, and they don't need a fourth starter in this weekend series against the Padres at home, but against the Dodgers, I would go at Walker. Better stuff, pitch better. To me, Carrasco, and, and, and I, I was very negative on him, but he provided innings. He gave you fifth. at the In the end, he was very Bartolo Colon-esque, where you look at the overall numbers, he's below league average, but the stinkers kind of drove down the overall numbers, especially the last few weeks, couple of weeks. Maybe lost a little bit of gas because he didn't really pitch that much the last three, four years. I don't know if he can be like Cologne and come out of the bullpen. See, that's the thing. Bartolo started to come out of the bullpen late in September of 2015 to prepare himself for that role. And he did very well in it in the playoffs, bridging some of the early exits, the sixth inning before they got. Because that bullpen had Tyler Clippard. We didn't know what Addison Reed was. That was not a great bullpen. That Familia, that was actually a, a much weaker bullpen. You complain about the Mets' bullpen this year. The 15 bullpen, if they didn't have Cologne in that postseason, the sixth and maybe seventh inning gets dicey real quick. You know, you had you, know, you didn't know what you had in Addison Reed. They got him late, but it's not about 2015. So I don't know if Carrasco's that guy. Maybe it's, you know, uh, Walker. They know better. That's why I'm not going to make that decision because I don't have the background info to know who's who. I know as a starter I want Walker, and I think you're going to want to have – your fourth starter, be prepared, but maybe be more prepared to be a starter. 
And I don't know if coming out of the bullpen and being that Swiss Army knife. Now, there's no free runner in the postseason. It's real baseball. So you might need a guy to go starter innings if your game gets long. But that's why you have Trevor Williams. And maybe that's where Carrasco could be your guy that says, okay, I'm going to use him when I get to the 12th inning and I just want to go inning, 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 inning. Like, he's the guy. We're going to win or lose or die with him on the mound because he's, like, basically starting the game the second time. Like, with Sean Markham. Remember Sean Markham, like, did, like, seven innings in a 19-inning ball game against the Marlins on a Saturday afternoon many, like, maybe a decade ago? Just something like that. So that's the postseason roster. That's what I believe will happen. Uh, the Alvarez situation might fix itself because you're only going to go with 12 pitchers. Now, in a five-game series, do you want the extra pitcher? See, with the DH, I just don't think you need 13 pitchers. You know, everybody's going to have to be able to pitch every day. I think you can use the extra batter, especially with a team that you want to have some single-dimensional components to your roster. Gore with the running. You need somebody to run for Vogelback. You also may need a right. Not you may. You do need a righty compliment for Vogelback. You know, God forbid an injury. Now, if Marte's on the roster, see, I'm assuming on that play, Ruffin and Alvarez make it. If Marte's on the roster, then you're not going to take both Ruffin and Alvarez. And I still think if it comes down to Ruffin and Alvarez, Buck is going to go with Ruff. Unless the front office really says, hey, Buck, we're just not going to do this. It also depends on Ruff's health. We don't know how. I mean, there is some concern with a guy's neck. He hasn't stepped up to the plate here in New York. Buck has intimated that New York has been a bit much for him. But using a 96 Yankees comparison, David Weathers and Graham Lloyd were awful in the regular season when they came over. And they were lights out in the postseason. And Graham Lloyd actually became a valuable member of that bullpen for many more years after that. So you just never know. All right, let's take a quick break. The show's not over yet. We're not going anywhere. There's still more fun to do. Predictions? No, like I said, no predictions. But I am going to talk about the Padres and how the Mets need to win this series. What do the Mets need to do to win this series? Not that I'm not going to predict whether they will win the series. We all want them to win. I believe they can win. It's not going to be easy. But how? What will they have to do to win? And, you know, maybe that's a little Captain Obvious. Score more runs than the other team. Pitch better. Hit better. But there is a little bit of a secret. The Mets, if you break the Mets down in 2022, they have a formula. We've talked about it before. You probably know it's coming. But I might have to remind you about that and more right after this. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prepared to name your game one starter? As soon as San Diego does, we will. And then, uh, you know, as soon as someone tells me that, other than... No, we... Uh... I'll tell you, if, you, if I don't have... I can comment all about it tomorrow. All of us come anyway. No, should have it shortly. I mean, how bad do you? How bad do you need it? I, I'm. I mean, it's not. It would be helpful. What? What? What would be helpful about it? Coverage aspects. Coverage. Okay. Max is pitching on Friday. 
we're back. And a lot more here on the Talking Mets podcast. A really spirited podcast. I'm feeling good. Ready to, I mean, I'm ready to go. I mean, I could use the day off tomorrow. We could all decompress. And then the stress begins. And then we have Friday and the anticipation of the game on Friday at 8.07 p.m. ESPN booth. At least we get to hear Coney. I like Coney. I know you don't like ESPN, most of you. I like Coney. Would I like it to be Gary, Keith, and Ron? That's not what the postseason's about. You know that. So, no Joe Buck. Maybe that's a positive. I've always felt, though, that now they got you know, ESPN games, and, and it's like the NBA. You don't have the... Postseason, to me, always was like ABC, NBC. And I guess I'm, I'm yearning for a simpler time that's never going to exist. You had a little Al Michaels back in the day. I always thought Joe Garagiola and Vince Scully were awesome in the 86 World Series. Vince Scully was always postseason to me. Obviously, Vince Scully's no no longer with us, but um, that's always what I remember about posting Vince, Vince Scully's voice. May God rest his soul on that one. So um, anyway, getting to the playoff series. So Buck announced that Max Scherz will be the game one starter. We talked about that for a variety of reasons and different reasons because not only was it setting up the Mets to have the guy that I think personally – is more playoff tested in Max Scherzer and bulldogish in Max Scherzer, but a guy that I think could flip around and come out of the bullpen and be available on some modicum of rest in a decisive game the following series. Because we were, you know, the, the Mets, as as it would be with Buck and this management team with Billy Epler, they're just they're trying to play chess here, not checkers. They're not just playing for Friday. They're playing for the next series. Now they're not going to go into and, and Degrom is possibly going to be pushed off a of game two if they win Friday, so that's interesting. I never would have thought of that. I thought they would have got for the kill, you know, play for this. But the Mets don't seem to fear a decisive third game with Degrom on the mound, and they're 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 hedging their bets a little bit with, um, you know, by by if they have a one zero lead pushing Degrom, and if that doesn't work, you know, it's going to be really interesting. These three games or how many they play, depending on how the series goes is really going to spin some narratives for the team going into next year, both Buck and Billy Epler, as well as some members of the team that potentially they want to resign. I mean, if Chris Bassett spits the bit in a playoff game, even though that that wouldn't factor into me not resigning him, and I think they will because that mutual option to me is a little inkling that potentially they've already have an idea of a kind of extension they're going to work on going into the offseason. I mean, a solid 15-game winner, bulldogish, smart pitcher, may have some challenges ahead with the the pitch clock, but I think he's aerodite enough to work through it. But if he has, after the Atlanta situation, had a bad game against the Cubs a few weeks ago, if he has a bad game, and God forbid the Mets lose in in against the Padres because of him, whoo, that's going to be some interesting offseason conversation. And Edwin Diaz. I mean, the only thing that makes me so nervous about this whole not blowing a lead after the ninth in the ninth inning is like you you're like it, it always happens it happens to everybody I mean the Mets came back against the Cardinals in the ninth inning team that's in the postseason Braves blew ninth inning leads with Kenley Jansen like you almost wanted it to happen in the regular season and get it out of the way but it didn't now DS has to be perfect a ninth inning blown game is a gut punch ask Jerry's Familia he had a few of them in the World Series. So, you know, it'll be really interesting. These are some overarching narratives or things that come up that are sidebar, peripheral things that we talk about. Now, um, Mets blueprint. There is a blueprint. And I told you this 
probably quite a few times over the last few weeks. And it started from day one in Washington, back in April. Way back in April when there's a lot of stuff that's happened 101 wins ago that we, you know, we didn't realize all the, the roads. The, there was no Yellow Brook Road to today. We know that. A friend of mine said the other day, I'll steal it. He knows who he is. You know, everybody was expecting to go through uh, the Whitestone Bridge to get to their destination. Well, you know what? You got to go through the FDR Drive now. You know, it's a little bit of a different path. You're going to get to your destination, hopefully. You just go on a different path. That's the difference between the division and the wild card. But that's where the whole, it would have been nice to line these guys up. But you know what? There's benefits to playing through this thing. There's benefits to keeping the momentum going. But the blueprint from day one, and this will have to be executed as close to the a perfect as possible for the Mets to win any series against anybody. Because the San Diego Padres are a decent team. Actually, every team in the postseason at least the National League. I'm not so sure, so sure in the American League, some of the wild card teams or even division winners like Cleveland could overcome the top team like the Astros or potentially the Yankees in a short series. Every team is tough. Every series is tough. I mean, all week I was vacillating, you know, should the Mets play the Phillies? At least with the Padres, there's no history. There's no Yadier Molina. There's no Albert Pujols reun- uh, farewell tour as of now. They might face them down the line. Um... There's no Philadelphia, New York. Oh, the Phillies have a grudge because they've lost so many times against the Mets. They got no hit by, to the Mets this off this season. Harper wasn't around during this summer, so now they got Harper again. Harper's you know a guy that's an MVP and could take over a series. Schwarber, geez, do we need to see him go bananas over you know three games? There's no history. There's always a history with the Phillies. There's a history with the Cardinals. Obviously, there's a history with the Braves. That might happen later on. There's nothing with San Diego. The only connection to the Mets that has any, and it's so like six degrees of separation here, is they came into existence in 1969 when the Mets won their first World Series. I mean, they they didn't play them in 84 when they went to the World Series. The Mets lost the division. 98, they played the Yankees in the World Series when they won. They haven't had, I mean, what's another connection? Sandy Alderson was the president of, of the Padres. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, Juan Soto, we've seen him a billion times. You know how good he is. Josh Bell, I mean, we know what he can do. So there's some familiarity there, but nothing nothing to create a rivalry. Brandon Drury, part of the bench mob last year, loved him. Thought he was a nice little component piece. Surprised how good he is this year. Came back down to earth in San Diego. But there's there's no... There's no uh, there's no history. So I think it's a, a good matchup from there. It's tough because the Mets are going to have to execute this blueprint. They normally have to score first. When they score first, they win 80% of the time. Or they have 80% of their wins are when they score first, I should say. That stat came up yesterday. Well, it's actually 81. I think after tonight's game, 81 of their 101 wins or something like that, they scored first. Doesn't mean they led the whole game, but they scored first. So you want them to jump out. Kind of like an NBA team or a football team scoring on the first play. You want to play from ahead. You want to work the starter. You want to try to get into that bullpen. You want to work Darvish, get his pitch count up. He has gone up to about 110 to 115 pitches at times this season. I'm sure he's going to be um, monitored. I don't think he's going to be on a strict pitch count. But the Padres' bullpen, outside of Hayter, doesn't scare me. Work those starters. Even if you only get one or two runs, you've got elite pitching on the other side. Maybe you're up one nothing or 2-1. to one. You get their starter out. 
And if you could get them out quicker and still have a back Scherzer or DeGrom or a Bassett in the ballgame, advantage Mets. So that's that's been a big key for this team. Get it? You know, the Mets don't have a bully offense. They didn't, they weren't the offense that we had, our calculator had predicted during spring training, mainly because the DH spot never trans never materialized in any way, shape, or form. But they're an offense that can be opportunistic. Get the crooked number. When you get second and third one out, get the runners in. Don't just settle for the one run. Execute with runners on third and less than two outs. These are things that they did well, and they have to continue to do it. These are things they didn't do in Atlanta last weekend, and why they didn't win the game they needed to win to win the division. Get your six really good innings, elite innings from Scherzer and DeGrom, very good innings from Bassett if, he's, if he you know, gets the chance to pitch, if it goes the full three games. And hand it off and only need to get three to six outs from your middle relief. And then you have your elite closer. I mean, you have a one-run lead. I'm going to take my chances with Diaz. The last five years, I said this to you guys earlier in the week, the top two pitchers in baseball, fan graphs, value equation, win shares, are Scherzer and DeGrom. You line up those guys and you lose... You got beat, guys. Or maybe they've declined. I don't, I'm not ready to say, I can't believe these guys have declined. I'm not ready to say that. Not yet. I know Scherzer's battling an oblique. I know DeGrom had his issues and, you know, has a blister. But, you know, it's all there. It's all set up. You have to execute. You, you know, forget about choking and they don't have this and the deadline that and scream and yell and this and that. That's the blueprint. If they get away from that blueprint and they get bad starting pitching, or Diaz isn't good, or they don't work counts, or they don't execute with runners in third in less than two outs, if those things don't happen because maybe the other team is playing better, but also because they get a... I'll know whether they got away from their game. Did they get away from their game in Atlanta? A little bit. Although Bassett certainly did. Let's see them stay within themselves. They have to stay within themselves. They have to trust the process that has been really good to them for 162 games. Don't change. The only difference between Friday at 8.07 and today is that, you know, the season starts 0-0, zero and, zero, and yet instead of having to win day in and day out to win a division or make the playoffs, you got to win it in a best-of-short series. So there's a randomness and there's a stress to that because the margin of error has shrunk to nothing. The play today, win today, let's not get too high, not get too low, that was a really good weapon for the Mets. I think they got away from that last weekend in Atlanta. Nothing really changes other than there's a sense, there's always a sense of urgency. And maybe that bird or that little, not bird, but the devil on your shoulder whispering in your ear. And you know the final thing that I think I'd like to see? And this is out of the Mets' control. I got to tell you, I was very critical of the Mets fans on Twitter, especially as they whined and complained through Atlanta. But City Field on the doubleheader on Tuesday and today. Today, it was probably, what, maybe both days. The weather's been awful the last couple of days. supposed to be much nicer this weekend. Imagine the weather was like this this weekend against the wild card teams. I mean, no this lockout gave no margin of error. 20% full, but it was positive. It was uh, uh, energetic. It was, it, was a, it was a home crowd. I don't want to see you sitting there on your hands in pain waiting for something to happen, almost wishing that you were anywhere but where you were. I don't want to hear the waiting for failures. I don't want to see you sitting there doing novenas. 
your God or whatever spiritual entity you pray to, which is fine with me, does not care about helping you make the Mets win because the other team has every right to win that game as you do. And that fan base across 3,000 miles away. You know what? Before you do that, give me the dog. Bring the dog back. What's his name? Doke that caught the baseball, that caught Lindor's home run. One of the best moments of the year for me. Dog catches the home run. I mean, the Mets are teeing off on the Nats. Home run, home run, home run. Like it's batting practice. And the dog gets the ball, and he's happy about it. The dog was positive and happy. He was bringing such good energy to the ball. Give me the dog. Maybe Doke could be the Mets mascot. Or they're going to feel like that's another Metal the Mule situation. So, I mean, look, the Padres are kind of, you know, what's interesting about the Padres is, and I told you guys this, they made the big deal for Soto. That's a long-term play, an elite player, one of maybe the best all-around player offensively in baseball, at the very least. But when they got rid of Luke Voigt and Hosmer and brought in Will Myers, uh, to kind of take some of that time, Brandon Drury, they're kind of like the upgrade. Really what it comes down to is how good Soto's going to be. Because maybe Bell was a little over-indexed in Washington. And he had, a, I mean, both he and, and, and Soto did not nearly hit as well. Soto didn't really hit in, in, in September. I mean, he's still got a 133 OPS plus, but he's not Soto. 790 OPS. 790 OPS is not Juan Soto. When Daniel Vogelback's numbers since the trade are better than yours, I mean, I like Daniel Vogelback, but he's a component player, DH, one-dimensional. You know, that's the ultimate sample size of sample size. So, really, Soto's the guy that, you know, you got to watch. That's why they're they're very similar teams. Maybe the, the wild card factor with the Padres offense, you have to watch them, is Soto. That's an obvious comment. And they are, and Machado, of course, is there, and he's he's he. They have a good one-two punch, a much better one-two punch offensively than the Mets. I mean, Machado hurt them. He hurt them when they uh, they played in City Field right after the All Star break. You know, those two guys alone could take over the series. But you also have the two best pitchers in baseball the last five years on the other side. You know, component-wise, you know the component guys like Bell and whatnot. To me, Voit, Bell, Hosmer, Myers is all the same. It's going to be Machado. It's going to be Soto on the offensive side. And if these other guys play within their roles and they those guys come up in big spots, that's where the problem begins. You Darvish, really good pitcher. I know he had a tough postseason in L.A. in the World Series. We know what the Dodgers were doing, so maybe we give him a pass. It is not going to be easy to beat him. You know, he's got a whip on the one this year. He's every bit the elite pitcher this year that DeGrom and Scherzer has been. Musgrove, a guy that, you know, always had talent in Pittsburgh. A guy thought the Mets could have went out and got. They weren't able to get the assets together to get it. Uh, he you know he might be as good or better than Darvish. And I mean Blake Snell is the guy that I, I know he he was very good in Tampa. Guy who could could walk the ball strikes out a lot of guys walks the ballpark. I know he's lefty and that gives the Mets some problems. But uh, you know he, to me he doesn't scare me. But those three guys are really good. I mean these are very similar evenly matched teams. I know the Mets won twelve more games, but put that aside because the Padres kind of remade their team uh, uh, beginning of August. Uh, this is a very evenly matched team. Offensively, they're very similar. Uh, the San Diego starters are very good and could certainly close the gap with the Mets to elite starters. And here's the what really may be, and it's the same thing with the Dodgers, with Kimbrell. But 
The difference is Kimbrell, I never really believed, has been a good closer for many, many years. Josh Hader has. And Josh Hader got much better in September. Is he done? Is he fried? Which Hader do you get? The middle bullpen is not great for the Dodge, uh, for the, the Padres. It's not bad. It's not great. But if you get Hader for two innings, uh, you know, he can neutralize Diaz. So a lot depending on how things go, there's a lot of neutralization the Padres could do to the Mets. They can neutralize them at closer. I mean, Hader was Diaz before Diaz. They can certainly come close to neutralizing with Dar- Darvish and Musgrove and Snell with a three. I mean, at the very least, the gap is closed. You probably give Scherzer the advantage and DeGrom the advantage, but it's not the huge advantage that it would be maybe against, you know, even the Phillies with Wheeler and Nola. I mean, you know, this is, this is a closely matched uh, series. And that's why it goes back to the blueprint. The Mets have to execute the blueprint. If they execute the blueprint, they're going to win. Because all year, when they've executed the blueprint that I laid out, they've won. Simple as that. No predictions here. The blueprint. It's about the blueprint. Remember that. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to wrap up. On the way out, I'll give you a few comments about Aaron Judge and the media narrative that comes with the 62 home runs and, and what have you. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. The Talking Mets podcast is available on many outlets, but the most popular is Apple Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Silva, the host of the Talking Mets podcast, and I encourage you to leave a review about the program on Apple. Just rate it one to five stars, hopefully a five, because why wouldn't you? And then if you have time, leave a review. It helps the podcast continue to grow and encourages others to take a listen. You can also email me at MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Hope to hear from you soon. And enjoy the rest of the show. All right, we're back. Final thoughts. I hope you've enjoyed this final regular season edition of the Talking Mets podcast. And I'll give you kind of an idea of what the schedule is going to look like as we wrap up here. But before I wrap up, I'm going to just take a couple of minutes. Look, Aaron Judge, incredible season. Now's not the time for me to take his stats and break down, you know, where that, you know, maybe in the winter. When uh, we like to play fun with numbers and we're bored and we're jonesing for baseball, uh, you know the guy's got a two eleven OPS plus. I mean, he was Barry Bonds esque. We know that he was Barry Bonds esque this year. Uh, elite, put, you know, turned down a contract, put himself out there. A guy that I thought, because of the prodigious strikeout rate back in twenty seventeen, was not sustainable. Obviously, the game has evolved and changed with strikeouts. One hundred strikeouts is not a big deal anymore. Uh, I certainly think that, especially with what you saw out of Jeff McNeil and the Mets, there's going to be some with the rules changes, maybe a shift a little bit where uh, power hitters that are legitimate power hitters will stay power hitters, and guys who should not be power hitters will try to play the game within the scope of who they are. But the point is, you know, 62 home runs, American League record, congratulations. This idea that all of a sudden the media, and I love John Heyman and I love his podcast and he follows me on Twitter and I, I, I respect the hell out of what he does, but for him to write that now let's make him the legitimate home run champion, that's just media pro-Yankee fan garbage. There's a lot of Yankee fans in the media. When I say by that, they love the Yankees. They love covering the Yankees. They love Yankee Stadium. Uh, the Yankees have been good to them in their careers. Uh, it's okay. I mean, I'm not, you know, everybody's got to do their thing, but... If there was anybody else that did that or any other team that did that, I'm not sure there would be a call. Well, in the American League, obviously. But even so, 
National League, American League, American League record, fine. Even if it was a National League player, they would still have this conversation. There's two reasons why they want to do that. The media is angry and doesn't like the fact that they were hand-in-hand in the whole steroids thing. So this is their way of saying, you know what? That gets us off the hook if we name this guy the home run champion. They like punishing people. That's always a big media thing, punishing people by giving a take by having the power to take away, like they took away jobs with the sign stealing, how they want to delegitimatize the Astros championship. The media, the media likes to to, to uh, be an authoritarian, like they're the gatekeepers of morality, and they're not. They're not. I mean, it's a good season. It's an historic season. It's a nice moment. He's a great Yankee. Will he be back? We don't know. You know, go out and win a championship. That's what I'm sure Aaron Judge is all about. He doesn't care about asterisks and stuff. The same garbage they did to Maris and watch uh, Billy Crystal's movie, they kind of want to do again. You know, history always repeats itself. Bonds is the home run champion. McGuire is. They never failed the steroid test. And by the way, some of the stuff that was being taken, including Andro, I, you know, I lived around the corner when I was a kid from a GNC. You could buy a lot of this stuff, creatine, all this stuff off over the counter. So if you could go in a pharmacy, well, it's not a pharmacy. GNC is a pseudo-pharmacy or a over-the-counter health store, I should say, not a pharmacy. Then it's fair game, in my opinion. You know, is Toradol an unfair advantage? Because I guarantee you there are guys over the next few weeks they are going to be shooting themselves up on Toradol. As a matter of fact, I know they will because it, it, it's, it's, they've done it in the past. So, that an unfair advantage? Again, I'm not going to get too deep into this. Let's end it on a positive note. But ignore the garbage about the real home run champion. The stats are the stats. It's like when the NCAA takes away because of a rules violation, a championship. My eyes saw that championship. I saw Reggie Bush play college football. You can't take that away. You can take the banner away. You want to throw a fine and take away scholarships? Okay, but history is history. You can't rewrite. You could try. No, they're trying to rewrite history in different quarters of this world, but you can't. You saw it. It happened. Maybe 100 years from now when you and I are dead, well, maybe I'll be dead. You'll be alive, depending on how old you are. They could rewrite this whole judge thing the way they want it, but... You and I saw what happened, for the most part, depending on how old you are. Maybe some of you didn't see McGuire's so side did. Another story for another day. All right, so what's going to be going on with Talking Mets? We're not going to do, like I said, post-game shows per se. But I will come to you after the games. I'm not sh- I-, I do want to digest the game, and I want to get reaction. I don't want to just come on and blow hard on the, on the air. So for an 837 game... Probably not going to be over till almost midnight, post-game, all this other stuff. You're probably not going to get me till early the next morning. Oh, I'm going to have to set my alarm clock. That's going to be rough. Um, and then it goes stale quick. And then you're, you know, you're back at it. So I'm going to be there after every game. I'm going to try to do it maybe right after the game, after the post-game, after the digestion process. But maybe not till the next morning. And if there's a day off, definitely in the next morning. But uh, stay tuned. There's a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, this is why we do this. And this is why I've had a blast so far this year. I want to thank you guys for a great regular season, for great support. Uh, you know, maybe we haven't been able to meet up. I know there's been some guys I've been trying to meet up with, and it just hasn't happened, uh, so to speak. But 
Um, I appreciate the kind emails, the kind tweets, the kind words, the support. The numbers continue to grow. The partnership continues to get stronger with fan-sided in our Red Circle Media. And, you know, this is – I'm having a blast. And I really, seriously, forget about all the negativity that comes with – and that's really where 2022 was was weird, is that like the, unlike the love affairs of 99 and 06 and some of the other seasons that have gone into Mets' pantheon, I feel like maybe because it's Cohen and Cohen's money, maybe it's having – a Hall of Famer come on like Scherzer, Lindor in the big contract, that it's almost like you need to get me my championship. And anything less, I just, I'm not going to like you till you get me my championship. And it's off-putting. It really is. Because there's a lot of cool guys on this team and good guys on this team. And sometimes you get beat. Baseball is, you know, the Dodgers have been an elite franchise for almost 10 years. And they got a BS short season World Series to show for it. Does that take away from the fun that their fans have had season after season, night in and night out? I don't think so. The Astros, the smartest team in the world, won one championship. No, World Series appearances, one championship. You don't know. Nats, remember the Nats, the team that was supposed to be a dynasty, one championship. You know, Drew Storm blows a save, and poor David Johnson didn't get his chance to win a title with that club at, at an early point. Great season down the tubes. You know, the Giants wild card team, you know, three titles in about five years. Kansas City, not supposed, you know, you know the deal. Mets spoiling the Nats 2015. Cubs was supposed to be the good field story. You know, it happens. So try to enjoy it. Doesn't mean it's going to be disappointing. Doesn't mean it's not going to be stressful. Doesn't mean it's not going to be frustrating. Doesn't mean it's not going to make you angry. But try to enjoy it. This is why we spend and invest all this time. We don't spend and invest all this time to look at prospect lists or fantasy trades or play GM. Those are fun things to do. We do it because we want to see a team play at a high level and high leverage games and win. And now they're here. And it starts Friday at 8.07. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining me for another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can join Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the day off. You have permission to be happy. Remember that. 807 Friday. Get ready. Get gassed up. Playoffs are here. Until then. Take care, everybody.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.